Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Zach Arskaden coming to you live from North Carolina. And today we want to look at a, a fable between two kings and really the story. Um, if you're following along our daily Bible reading plan uh, in 1 Samuel 27 and 28, uh, this differences of how David um, handles a stressful situation or time and season that he is in versus what Saul does. And we want to take a step back in remembering um, what this month is, uh, the month of Kislev. And on, if you ever go on Gloria Zion's website, they have a um, what month is it, basically telling what month it is and the descriptors about it. And for Kislev, let me blow this up, it's real small showing up on the screen is that Kislev is obviously we know it's the ninth month just a reminder I know you guys follow this as well um, of the Jewish calendar and associated with the Hebrew letter Shamech which pictures trust support and coming full circle Uh, they go on to say that we should be coming full circle in developing our trust and confidence uh, hopefully in the Lord by examining our hearts and motives during Kislev each year um, we will break up and out of old patterns of mistrust to hinder our walk with the Lord and others in our circle of influence. And I think that's very important. Um, and just reading the, the, the scripture passage today just kind of highlighted this as examples of two different fables of how each king handled uh, this situation of in this circle, in this cycle of the year, the Hebrew calendar, of going through this this positions of trusting in the Lord, gaining confidence in the Lord, or gaining confidence in other ways and means of that. And we see in First uh, Samuel 28 how Saul went to um, a spiritual medium, even after having pretty much made it illegal and kicking them out of Israel. He was in this place of desperation. I'm just going to highlight this story. I know you guys um, know this. Uh, if you want to read read it to remind yourself of the details of it, I would highly suggest that. And, and we see in this story, Paul, because of some disobedience before, continuing to dis- disobey the Lord. And in this season where confidence should be built, and trust in the Lord should be built. He goes away from that. And then in Psalm 28, we see a different story from David. And I want to read this because it's it's quite interesting. It's obviously, Psalm 28 is very short. And the New American Standard titles it as a prayer for help and praise for its answers. So even even here we see David in this this cry for help to the Lord, crying out, he says, to you, O Lord, I call my rock, do not be deaf to me. For if you are silent to me, I will become like those who go down to the pit. Here, 
the voice of my supplications when I cry out to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your holy sanctuary. Do not drag me away with the wicked and with those who work iniquity, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their heart. Requite them according to their work and according to the evil of their practices. Requite them according to the deeds of their hands. Repay them their recompense because they do not regard the works of the Lord nor the deeds of his hands. He will tear them down and not build them up. And we get into this this part here. Blessed be the Lord. You see this shift here. He's crying out and then something shifts. He ha- Something happens here. Where this trust, this confidence is being built with the Lord. In verse 6, Blessed be the Lord, because he has heard the voice of my supplication. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exults, and with my song I shall thank him. The Lord is their strength, and he is a saving defense to his anointed Savior, people, and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd also, and carry them forever. And we see this, this journey that David goes on. He's crying out, Lord, don't take me away. Don't allow me to be taken away. And then something shifts in his prayer time, in that, that time. And he, he shifts from crying out, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, into a season of, and a position of praise and, and, and honoring the Lord in that. And so we see that during this month as this journey. Just want to highlight that of an example in Scripture where this complaining, murmuring from David turns into a praise into the Lord after crying out. Uh, not saying that anything's wrong of that. It's just saying it's just you see the posi- the heart change for David. And in this month, that's hopefully the the transition we can all make um, as this month of Keslev continues to go on and go forward. Okay. Now, with that, we have quite a few things to get updated on. Um, some breaking, well, kind of breaking news. I don't want to get into breaking news. Um, but some interesting things happen. We want to pay see. Uh, but first, we want to start in Israel and, and in the Middle East and things that are evolving Israel because a lot is actually started to break over the last 24 uh, to 48 hours and, and possibly more as some meetings are occurring with um, some interesting parties. Now, first part is that it looks like Netanyahu and the new um, Likud party and the religious Zionist or group coalition is starting to finalize its plan to have the coalition come together parties have and discussions have started to hit a ending point and an agreement more so to where they can actually you know form a government based upon the positions that they are petitioning for <laughs> to say the least which is a good thing to actually have this stuff come to a head and them actually form a government. So he talked about how after the elections, uh, Netanyahu had 28 days to form a go- the coalition. Well, that 28-day deadline expires on Sunday. Now, the reason you're starting to see these agreements come out, um, as you're seeing reports, multiple reports over the past couple of days from Jerusalem Post, YNN, et cetera, other news organizations in Israel talking about the breakdown of the positions, which is interesting to see the religious Zionist organization uh, party getting some of the things they, they had asked for and, and switching off some switches uh, during the middle of it. So it, it, things are coming to full fruition. Now, the deadline, as I said, expires Sunday at midnight, Israeli time. So it'll be um, earlier for us since we're behind. Uh, there's an ex- 
expectation that Netanyahu will go to the president who could possibly get them an extension and ask for a two-week extension because the his own party, the Likud party, has yet to basically confirm and come together and come to an agreement on what the basically the party platform for this coalition will be on a host of issues from immigration to defense to policies and, and it's basically setting the agenda for what they'll do during this um, coalition of government. And so that needs to be time. So he was, he was working with outside parties to make sure he had the entire coalition put together. Now he's going to go meet with his own party and then have them agree with everything else that's going on and then come together on a basically a party platform. Um, they call it something different in Israel, but that's pretty much what it is. And so it's interesting to see how this stuff works out in Israel as we learn it, come across this. Uh, so again, continue to pray for that Hopefully that government can be formed um, for the security and safety and, and more so peace of Jerusalem that we want to continue to pray for uh, now and in the season ahead. So outside of Israel in the Middle East, we're seeing now uh, some interesting dynamics play out with uh, Iran and its allies. So first within uh, Iran, you're seeing the supreme leader's um, sister come out and pretty much condemn him and the Iranian National Revolutionary Guard for its stances of crackdown on removal of the hijab and, and a hope the economic situation. And a tweet was put out uh, via her son, who lives in France, basically saying, hey, this needs to end. The RGC needs to join the people, stop the crackdown, stop the murders, stop or more so, stop the executions, um, not necessarily murders, uh, which could possibly be murders, but um, I digress from that point. So we're seeing some unrest and some unraveling come from within Iran, even at a higher level than just, you know, your everyday people. It's quite interesting to see that. Now, obviously here in the United States, we have that going on and on um, from people here in, in our country, family members, etc., so it could mean something, it could not, but I think it's interesting to follow this and see that even someone at this position who is still in Iran, could, who could possibly um, be harmed by the IRGC or taken into custody, um, would come out and say something like this. So quite interesting there. Now, on another front, something that broke early this morning, uh, American time, is that it is now being reported, and this is something you need to be very, very mindful of, and when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we stand with our allies in those regions, and, and more so for our, our American leaders and administration, is that there has been flights that have, from, that have extremely close ties to the I Iranian Revolutionary Guard that are flying from Tehran to Beirut, not knowing the manifest, not knowing what's on them, not knowing who's on them, there's possibility that could be have close ties to carrying weapons to Hezbollah, who somewhat controls Lebanon. Now, I want to point this out on a map to show you um, just a reminder of how close this now puts Iran and what this means for Israel. Um, so if you can we blow this up a little bit. So we see here... 
if you can see here where my cursor, where all the red dots are, that's where Israel is. Um, along, right along the Mediterranean. And then this blue dot, if you can see it, is Beirut. Now, Tehran is over here um, at the very, very top right of the screen. We um, move the cursor over here. So they're flying from Tehran all the way to Beirut, right in the heartland of, of Iran, all the way to, to Beirut, with the likelihood, all likelihood, that they're carrying weapons, people, etc. As Lebanon does not have a president right now. Remember, during the whole gas line negotiations, the president was who was in office was trying to make a deal before he ended office back in Octo uh, October, and now they don't have a, a president, and all intents and purposes don't look like they're going to get one anytime soon as the split within their government of those who would be more secular versus those who are in more in line and, and close ties with Iran uh, does not seem to be coming forward. So. Uh, we're seeing some very interesting things play out in this region and again, want to continue. This is why we want to pray for this coalition to be formed to be able to deal with this. Because during this time of transition, what's the agenda? What does the IDF do? What is you know, Mossad? All this type of stuff. Yes, they have somewhat of an agenda. Um, but when Netanyahu gets in there, he's going to be more understanding of the realities because he's has a military background, he's fought in some of the wars uh, that Israel has been in in the past, and he understands the importance of securing and understanding what Iran is capable of, M more so best than anything. So I want to stay, attention, stay up to date and, and pay attention to what's going on there. Now, remember some of the Chris Reed prophecies as of recently talked about how um, the Chinese government would start gaining close ties with Middle East oil. It was one of the headlines. It was April, I believe, he, he talked about one of these dreams. And this week, we're seeing the meetings of this occurrence actually happening where um, Chinese leader Yi is going to, or is in more so Saudi Arabia, and being welcomed lavishly, just as Biden did, to... Saudi Arabia. So you're seeing here a, okay, President Biden went. Let's see how they responded. They kind of attacked him um, and calling him out on a lot of things. And then you're seeing now China go. Now let's wait, watch what happens um, and see there as we see what the prophetic says. But now we're seeing, okay, this stuff actually play out. So he's, he feel like the Lord showed him this, which we, we tend to agree with him seeing where things are going. Um, of how this is going to play out and looking like Saudi Arabia is going to side with um, China on this as far as oil is concerned because this Biden administration is basically saying, uh, yeah, we're going to cut you off. We're going to um, batteries, which China holds the market on that. And now it looks like the Biden administration and, and, and is going to be investigated on that. But that's another story. So we're seeing this stuff play out right before our very eyes which is really, really, really interesting. Now, this morning, the Biden administration made the announcement um, and the deal that they were going to, in a, a prisoner swap, prisoner swap, uh, trade WNBA basketball player Brittany Griner for, for someone who is considered the merchant of death in uh, Russian citizen Victor Bout. A former arms dealer. 
CNN and everybody is claiming, claiming, oh, President Biden, look at him, look at what he can do, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this guy was considered the merchant of death and the sanctions buster for his ability to get around arms embargoes. This is the man who we traded, someone who got caught for pot, who knowingly broke the laws in Russia. Now, with all that being said, is let's look at an example, since we're in the, the fable of two kings, of what Trump would have done in a situation like this. And let's go to an example of what Trump did in a situation like this. Where if you remember the infamous name of LeVar Ball, his son Leangelo Ball, who at the time was a member of the UCLA men's basketball team, and they were playing in China, and him and a friend of his, or a teammate more so than anything, went to a luxury mall and ended up getting caught stealing sunglasses. Now, why did they steal it? I have no idea. But they were they were caught, they were arrested, they were put in jail, they ended up getting kicked off the team, and they were going to be left in China. But President Trump got involved, don't know what happened exactly, mums the word, and somehow they're just released and allowed to come back to the United States. No prisoner swap, no exchange, just here you go. So we see the difference here um, in, in a fable of two kings and similar situations. Now, with all that being said, this week we have uh, some interesting votes still coming forward as it looks like the government funding bills, resolutions, and all this stuff is, ha is at a standstill which would be good during this lame duck session of Congress for them not to vote this stuff forward as all intents and purposes, they're rushing it. They're just trying to get something done to pat themselves on the back, to not have a quote-unquote government shutdown, etc. Maybe they'll avoid it, maybe they won't. In reality, what Mitch McConnell is saying is that they're, they're facing a time crunch, and because of the time crunch, you know they don't want to rush anything and so they're going to try to do a continuing resolution. McConnell's basically saying, we need to go for that. We need to not rush this. You have uh, Senator Rick Scott, Mike Lee, and Ted Cruz pushing Republicans to not vote this stuff forward in both the Senate and the House, which would honestly be a good thing. And some of the, the, the votes and the rules, they're, they're changing on the fly to hopefully make it easier for bills to get passed. So hopefully in all this, you know, changing of the rules, suspending the rules, um, shortening debate, shortening this and that, there can actually be someone with a backbone who says, no, enough's enough. Will they pass some? They're going to have to pass something. It's either the full bill or just a continuing resolution to go into the next year until the next Congress can actually deal with it. That's what it is, all intents and purposes, needed so that those who are actually going to be in office can be held accountable um, rather than those who are already out of office can just do whatever the heck they want. So. And, and update there um, on that situation. I want to make sure I'm covering everything. Um, there was actually a bill for the National Defense Authorization Act, and then the Black Congressional Black Caucus came in and tried to add an amendment for um, some voting rights issues. There, that's that's kind of caused um, a snag in that vote but again they're they're looking at right now as we speak uh debating talking about um the marriage equality or disrespect for marriage act possibly getting that pushed forward out of debate into final vote and cloture 
to go in all intents and purposes to, unfortunately, the president's desk. Okay, so we're seeing these things come all the way full circle. And then last thing I really want to touch is this is this is something we need to really pray for, for not only Republican leaders, but Democratic leaders as well. Um, obviously, we, we talked about yesterday the Golden Court case that was before the Supreme Court on really dealing with judicial overreach and hoping that state constitutions can be upheld. Um, and things are going to have to be dealt with. We we have the prophetic word. And the reason I bring this up will make sense here in a second, hopefully. So we have the prophetic word from Chuck Pierce saying that the thirteen col- original 13 colonies have a decision to either uphold the founding principles of this nation or to not. Like, we have a decision for those of us who live in those 13 colonies to stand for freedom or not. And that, that doesn't just go for believers, those who are in leadership and well. And that's why we want to pray for them, whether we agree with their policies or not. That hopefully they would uh, gain some wisdom. And that's kind of interesting to see why, how Trump, you know, his comments on the Constitution now, everybody's like, yes, let's, uh, let's, let's, put, let's implement the Constitution. Let's actually do what the Constitution says. Again, I think it's 4D chess more than anything. Um, but now there's a report and there's, it's kind of accumulation of statements made by top-leaning right-wing pundits uh, about how now Republicans need to look at, post-election, the epiphany on mail-in voting. Um, and I, I want to go through this somewhat to, to see some of the comments being made, not about upholding the Constitution, not about ending universal mail-in balloting, um, ballot harvesting and all that stuff. It's quite the opposite, and this is this is quite alarming for where we're possibly headed as a country if we, we're continuing to allow this. Um, Ronna McDonald, the current RNC chairwoman who is possibly going to be challenged, uh, said our voters need to vote early. There were many in 2020 saying, don't vote by mail, don't vote early, and we have to stop that and understand that if Democrats are getting ballots in for a month, we can't expect to get it all done in one day. So just basically, yeah, we're going to do exactly what Democrats are doing. And really um, kind of going, and, and this is part of the problem with what happened in the 2020 election. I'm not saying that that statement isn't wrong um, of understanding, like, if you're if this is the way things are going to be, this is possibly how things are going to play out. Now, is that long-term what should should happen? Probably not. Uh, when you have universal mail out balloting, you and even Bill Barr said has said this publicly that when you have universal mail in balloting, you tend to have more cases of potential for fraud and and crime and corruption to happen during the voting process, as things are out of the purview and eye of a watchful eye to make sure things are done in proper order. Now, the rest of the world can get it done in one day. France can do 55 million votes in one day, but the United States can't, and certain states can't. It's, it's just quite amazing. Now, with the issue, an issue, a big issue you have is you have some people come out and say, well, there's all this fraud, there's all this stuff, so that creates in the minds and hearts of people, well, why would I vote? The vote it's going to be stolen, it's going to be everything. Despite that, if you could still go vote, you would have the votes to to overcome it. Again, this recent runoff, you had in Georgia, you had 3.5 million people vote in the runoff, but before that, you had 3.9 people vote in the actual general election for governor. Now, part of that is t- 
timing, election cycle, people are more motivated for vote for more things, governor, and the host of things that were on the ballot in Georgia, and well, you know, the runoff or, you know, not much else, they're not going to be as motivated to go out for. So you had 400 people stay, 400,000 people stay at home, we've kind of gone over that. So that's kind of part of the, the issue, and that's how you have to motivate, that's why you have to motivate people on the ground grassroots to be able to get people to go out and vote well democrats do that better than republicans for whatever reason they just they have an understanding of how to do that now moving forward you see last night uh carl rove um kind of pop off a little bit talking you know against trump and saying well we need to do this we need to to really look at um the presence of mail-in ballots that cause people to vote um uh, you had uh, Laura Ingram go off last night, uh, uh, getting mad at the GOP leadership for some of the candidate selections and stuff. There, uh, you you have Charlie Kirk saying, "Look, this is the things we need to start doing." Um, Ron DeSantis and former U.S. Ambassador Nick Haley also said uh, Republicans need to start going towards early and absentee voting um, and really understanding. That one of the first lessons that we have to take from this is that midterms and any elections is the power of early voting. And, and I want to point this out, and I want you to know that I'm not making this stuff up, is that a huge issue, a huge issue is the fact that when we talked about a couple weeks ago, how in Daniel 7, before America even was a thought, a mustard seed of existence in the minds of any human being, Daniel had the prophetic word that eventually the spirit will try to change times and laws to come about and have its systems of government or systems of more so control to come about. Now, what we see here is that recently, this is a, a article from the Politico saying that Republicans... In California, this is why they won a couple races. I pointed this out the other day, but I want you to see I'm not making this up. Early voting and ballot harvesting, which is ill, which is legal in the state, were able to keep multiple tightly contested incumbent House seats and win an open seat in the Central Valley during the cycle. Meaning that not just early voting, but universal mail-out voting, which California does, even sending some ballots to people across the country, in Virginia, North Carolina, etc. Like, they're not cleaning up their voter rolls, which is, should be like the number one thing they should be doing, is making sure that people who actually live in California, have a primary residence in California, are only the ones voting, not people who used to live there two, three, four, five, ten years ago, maybe even a hundred years ago, you know, of how that goes, especially for those of us in Louisiana. But now ballot harvesting is becoming legal, in most states, not not just some states, not just blue states, red states as well. So during COVID and all this stuff, part of that stuff became legal. And the question, like with the whole 2,000 Mules documentary, is, well, in Georgia, is was it legal at the time? So when you sit here and you hear officials say, well, nothing that we see happening was illegal, because the times and laws have changed. Now, 
Short term, if you're going to win any election, uh, yeah, if these are the laws, go play by these rules, unfortunately. Long term, let's let's uphold and stand to the Constitution. Now, I think you, if you're the RNC, you got to get on the same message. You can't have Trump say one thing and part of your party say the other thing. you got to have a leader who's strong enough to go to Trump and say, hey, here's let's let's talk this out let's work this out because we got to come together on this if not you're going to lose now democrats are saying well this is this is what we want so let's do it anyways and they some all intensive purposes uh like college athletics and the nil deal kids were getting paid under the books uh, under the table now it's all legal now you're seeing the chaos that presumes if you follow any of that same thing with ballot harvesting is all intensive purposes it was believed to be have done before now they're doing it legal and so they have uh, years and years of experience of knowing what to do, where to go, and how to get these ballots out and, and get them from people. You're not. This can't be a surprise to anybody, unfortunately. So the, the, the prayer here is that we have leaders in both parties who stand up, and, and more specifically for that prophetic word that Chuck had of in the 13 colonies, to stand up for the founding principles of freedom, um, and in reality, rather than going down this deep, dark road, because then if universal mail-in balloting happens, does it then become um, electronically over your you know, email, website, text? Is that what voting becomes to, or is it in-person voting? So um, there's a journey ahead that I think wisdom and, and, and prayer, fear of the Lord, hopefully, would come on our leaders in the days ahead. So we want to pray for that. Um, now, as is, these battles are playing out, um, and decisions have to be made on not just policy structure, but on how to actually go about winning an election. Is it going to be uh, creating these big events that Trump does, or is it going to be about putting your money into ballot harvesting? Which, more than two minutes ago, you you would have, have screamed about it being illegal, but now it's legal, so let's do it, is what every pundit is saying. Not even questioning, hey, let's go to the courts and deal with this and overturn this and prevent this and, and pull back the tyrannical overreach of universal mail-out ballotings, which have been known even before this to cause increase of fraud and crime during the voting process. That's how we want to go about coming and figuring out who is our president, who is our elected leaders. There's quite a gut check in this moment um, for both parties. Uh, to say the least. And so we want to pray for that uh, now and in the days ahead. So uh, hopefully didn't end on too much of a sour note, but it, it's a decision that, that we have a, as Americans have to uh, start to understand and get involved with and hopefully can cry out for for our leaders and have leaders who have a backbone enough to stand up and say, hey, this is, this is going down a road of craziness. Let's stand up. Let's actually... Go back, repeal some of these laws that are causing all this craziness, and go back to day of voting like the rest of the world, pretty much. <laughs> Again, France recently just had their elections. 55 million people voted. Same day, they knew the results. No problems whatsoever. They voted for a socialist. They're, they're getting what they voted for. That's a separate issue. But how they went about it, same day, it, it shows that there is a possibility of this being able to be done. Um, so let's continue to pray for the Golden Court cases before the Supreme Court, for our leaders to have wisdom and fear of the Lord on not only this issue, but a host of others as we continue to stand on the wall praying for this nation, the office of the president, so that 
Hopefully, freedoms can be upheld. The ability to be able to spread the gospel of the kingdom in the public square can be upheld so that souls can be saved and then we can spread, hopefully, the gospel of the kingdom, not only to this nation, but to other nations as well. So I'll close with that. Close out next tomorrow, uh, the week tomorrow. And then maybe, hopefully be back, depending on how things go um, with my wife and our next child. So I hope to be back next week, uh, for sure, definitely. Um, but we'll I'll give some more um, details on that later. But we'll be back tomorrow again, closing out this week. So blessings, and I'll see you guys later. Have a good one.